Welcome to Season 5 of the podcast of The Urban Mystic. In this season, we're exploring relational spirituality, which is not rooted in character formation and instead in immediate relational engagement with God. It is a relational, mystical spirituality encouraging people to enter deeply into living and loving in relation to their own self, others, and God. We can't think of any better venture to give our lives to than this, and I'm sure you'd agree with us. In this episode, we explore the foundation of values and their relation to our priorities and practices. We're most intrigued by the opportunity to begin from the ground up, translating values into priorities and priorities into practices, and we'll explore our core values of the next few episodes. In this episode, we consider adding values-centered processes to existing communities and the potential impact thereof. Urban Mystic is supported by people making once-off and regular contributions. If you'd like to contribute from your tithe or make a contribution to this work just because you like us and like what we do, follow the PayPal link in the show notes. Please like, subscribe and leave a comment on your favorite listening platform. This also really helps grow the podcast. And if you like this episode, recommend it to a friend and come have a conversation with us. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us again on this episode. You know, Tim, you know, we've been chatting through some of, how can we call this, kind of the task-oriented stuff around the institution, around churches, etc. So we've had the Bible and this kind of book and what you do with it and the rule book for life and governance, etc. And the proof text thing that supports all of life and some of our feelings about that and our view of scripture, high or low or medium or sort of medium rare or whatever it might be. And, you know, we've, we've looked at preaching as an idea of kind of product delivery in a way and of initiating some sort of change. But a lot of it has to do with kind of just, it's like task, it's like deliverables. It's like sort of almost it's like product-based stuff. You know, you mentioned the, the spiritual disciplines, even there's, there's kind of a, it's a doing of something that is prioritized over a a journeying, uh, like a processing through something. It's almost as if you can just, you know, I read this interesting quote today. I was talking about young people in schools and, and some of the anxiety level around producing and getting things right in schools. And this was a leadership expert who'd worked with, with so secondary school age kids, you know, 15 to 18, let's say, and saying, you know, those kids are so anxious about producing, about getting things right, that they will accept the first solution that comes their way, even if it's not a very good one. So in a leadership team or when there's some sort of strategy that has to happen or there's some sort of deliverable, they'll just go with the first thing that comes along. They won't get curious. They won't investigate it. They won't ask hard questions. They won't go into it. There's no form of process. It's just, okay, we just need to do this to get an A. Let's do that and get the A and move on. Because the anxiety over whether you get the A or not is so high, so much pressure and stress around that, that there's just no space to move into process. And that's some of my sense of what we've been talking about, spiritual disciplines, the reading of the Bible, the preaching, etc. It's just, you've just got to tick off these things because these things indicate a, a living, alive, community, a place where God is, a place of blessing, so much stuff, right, involved with that. But process is so different. And 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 I think we started to move towards process and, and I think we need to move further and further into that. And and so I think that's 
was potentially a shocking summary of our last four or five or six episodes, perhaps. But my point is, and just trying to get that into a really bad nutshell, is that I think tonight we are trying to orientate ourselves towards really pushing into what does process look like? What does this idea of setting up relational spirituality, what could that really look like? And I think the reason we did all that stuff this is because it doesn't look like it's it, it doesn't exist off this task checklist. It's not a it's, it's not some things that you have to do to be okay at a very superficial level. Process has tasks, absolutely. They're things that have to be done. But kind of what you're doing is on the tail end of the process. And so it's the the being rather than the doing that expresses itself through process. And you you emerge somewhere. And sometimes you emerge at the end of this thing different, you and the people that you're going through it with, if you really lean into process. It's not just a simple linear A plus B equals C, you know, equation-oriented thing. You don't just read the Bible, go to church on a Sunday, do some spiritual disciplines, listening to a sermon, and suddenly your life is fine and everything's transformed and you have no more anxiety and guilt and shame and you know everything's just peace and blessing and all that other crap which is not crap in and of itself but but you can't achieve that through just a task oriented just checking things off a list that's how you get there there's there is there's something underneath that there's a foundational something that orientates you towards moving through process and and there are these things, these vehicles, this vehicle of these made up of these things that carries you through process. That you, you don't go through process, you don't arrive on the other side unless you manifest that in a way of being rather than just simply the doing. And so you don't settle for just anything. It takes significant investment. And I think we were talking about that in our last episode of, of process. It asks a lot. It requires a lot. And you have to go. And see, the being is also not static. It's dynamic. You have to go in and be. And even the process of going into something and being, you can't even read that as a static thing. Because sometimes, you know, it, it can be collapsed easily into just a, it's also a task. Well, you know, you're doing something by being. No, no, no. Being means that you're actually there's there's a there's a pulsating life going on in which you might discover things, you might lose things through the process, you might gain things, you might take a left turn when you thought you were going to go right. This stuff, it, it's a living, breathing thing almost in and of itself if you really take it seriously and invest in it. And and we just felt, you know, you know, as we were chatting now coming into this episode, that we need to start orienting towards. What are the pieces of this vehicle that would take us through process? What might those be? Why might they be of value to us? What would we call them and how are we going to explore them? Because those can play out in, in every context at every moment. You know, preaching doesn't necessarily, you know, lend itself to every context at every moment. <laughs> you know, although I met many conservative people who would believe that no matter what you're presented with, if you can come up with a quick motivational proof text preaching thing, you know, oh, you, you know, your dog just died. Well, here's a verse for you and a encouraging pick you up now, bugger off, because I don't want to listen to you <laughs> kind of preach thing. Um, 
but there's something there that would carry us through the process, facets to this that we need to explore. And you were talking earlier about values. And I think that is such, it's, that's this vehicle that I'm talking about. That I think is the thing that carries you into process, the values. And so, yeah, that I, I thought, I thought that would be a really bad way of setting you up to take us. <laughs> I love the fact that this is conversational um, as opposed to presentation level. You see, I'm, I'm trying to be as best as I can in this space and, and it doesn't always sound pretty, but hopefully I've got enough of a kind of a central thing there to go. That's where we're trying to orientate ourselves towards. And we're trying to, no, no, we, we, we want to, and we're going to start laying some waymakers down and going, these are not just signboards that you have to pass and achieve and tick off to get to somewhere amazing. These are values-based kind of ways of being that then manifest themselves in practice that are the engine room to process, to continued process, because that's one of the joys of process, is that you never always, you, you never quite get there. You, 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 you kind of get there and don't. You get to keep going and keep moving as life keeps going and keeps moving. Um, and so, yeah, I thought perhaps I'll just kick that back to you and see if you can make anything around that and just talk a little bit more about values or anything else that comes to mind. Good luck. Well, thank you for that. I, I always love a particularly complex and a rough setup to, to work from. <laughs> awesome. We live in a world that is so outcomes based that it's very easy to to have concrete metrics in mind. And by this, I mean, what size seater is your church? How many members do you have? You know, are you preaching well? Are you preaching too long? Are you preaching too short? Did you preach well? Was the sermon good? How do people respond to it? You know, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, there's a lot of concrete things like that. And we, we often think of the outcomes in relation to them. But the tasks are fairly established. If you're in a mainland church, you, you, you know that there's going to be a reading, there's going to be a sermon, you'll have sacraments, there's going to be a meet and greet between people, people are going to have coffee. If you're in an independent church, you're, you're likely to start with worship, followed by, by, by some form of marketing or mini sermon to, you know, like get the crop in, the, the crop of cash in, followed by the sermon, followed possibly by another mini sermon on tithing, and then, and then the coffee, and somewhere in between you'll have an altar call. And we'll 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 get to those. I don't I, if I get onto them, I'm going to get too triggered and stay on that as a topic. So I, let's just breeze over that. I often feel that if we start with doing church, then we end up with doing church in mind. If you start with doing church, then whether you're preaching to three people or you're preaching to three thousand people, you're just scaling up the same thing. So it's easy just to start there, and it's easy just to stay there. I think we're just so used to doing that that we've got this culture of doing church. We've been doing church for so long that doing church tells us what we're supposed to be as Christians and it actually defines the faith. And that's why after 30, 40 years, you throw something on the table of experiencing God and the immediate kickback is, but we don't want to push people in church, push people over. Or we don't want to force them to speak in tongues or anything like that. And, and I keep responding to people and say, hang on, 
I'm talking about a value for intimacy with God and your kickback every time is a poor example or a poor expression of something in a particular church environment where they're counting metrics and they're counting certain things and they're looking for certain phenomena. I'm never using that language and yet the kickback is always as though that I am. And, I, and so in that context, I tend to feel that what people are kicking back in relation to is in relation to what they've experienced and what they've seen, but they're not actually kicking back in terms of this as a topic. I think in other environments, when we when when we push or we push into the idea of intimacy with God, the kickback there is, oh, that's so hard to define, or we don't really know what that means. We have no idea what that looks like. And to which I respond, that's that's very sad, <laughs> you know. Um, what does intimacy with your spouse look like? And is it in the same category as I don't know, we don't know whether we're doing it, we don't know whether we're getting it right, we have no idea what we're aiming for. It's because if so, we've got problems and we've got to talk about it, right? <laughs> I feel that and, and honestly believe that that backtracking to to work from values rather than which tasks or outcomes are we looking to achieve is actually better. Because if we start off going we need to have form three different small groups so that we've got enough people to populate a Sunday. And then we're going to start meeting once a week. Uh, and what are we going to do on that Sunday? Well, the tasks are the following. We've got, we've got worship, so we need a worship team. We're going to have someone to preach, so we need like a pastor, preacher, messagey person. And for both of those to work, we need a congregation, and congregations big enough to support that. You know, so there, there we're building a particular, a particular thing which is very different. I think what we're looking at is a, is a values-based approach that starts from the ground up that doesn't necessarily even result in a church service or a community in a traditional sense, especially since our audience is in the internet around the world anyway. You know, so, so, so it's different. We're starting from a different foundation and looking to start from a different foundation of looking at what are our values because the values lead into what we prioritize in terms of what we put time and effort into. And what, what, what we put time and effort into is what we practice at the end of the day. I can have a value that I prioritize and practice as an individual. You can do the same, but, but together we can have a value that we could both prioritize when we get together and do stuff and we can both practice together as well. And in our practicing it individually, it looks different to how we're practicing it together, but we can know that we're working with the same value. I, I, I don't know if that's too too abstract, but I'm, I'm really feeling that the, the shift is from an institutionally centered, stage-centered environment where certain tasks and activities are delivered and performed and participated in to a process-centered culture where what people become is actually important. But but they have a clear idea of what they're leading towards in terms of relational engagement with God. I don't think that with the way we do church, we have immediate relationship with God in mind or immediate relational engagement in mind with the way we're doing it. And and with the way it's practiced, you know, especially how it's tacked on within the context of the service, it is not the priority. It is it is the you know it's what comes it follows after what is the priority, which is the message. And so what is practiced in a church environment is given the most time and the most attention. What's practiced is primarily worship in the sermon, generally the sermon coming out on top, because that is the priority. You know, that's that's what's valued, that's what's priority is, that's what's practiced. And then when it comes to the experiencing God stuff or the immediacy of God's presence, that is put into a different category because it's it's not actually valued as highly 
as the preaching. And the reason why you know that's the case is it, it gets very little time. And the time it often gets is, 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 is a very dysfunctional expression. So, so the practice differs in different environments where they say, well, to practice the presence of God looks like the following. And we have a little bit at the end of our service. And, and I think if we, if, we, if we turn that on its head and start off and say, well, what are our values? And what practices and what priorities and what practices end up supporting those values, end up expressing them, then then we've got a we've got a difference. Um, we've got we've got the opportunity to build a different culture and practice within individuals, and then as individuals perhaps form groups or communities, you actually have that culture instilled at the foundation, and everyone has that already, rather than being in the environment where you start off with a church, and then you say, how do we add this on to support the church so the church is healthier? Uh, I, I don't know if I'm making sense with that, really. I think so. I mean, the, the, one, of the first question, one of the first thoughts that comes to mind is what you're describing is a very messy process, I think as it starts to actually manifest and work its way out. But let me come to that. So to, to sum up what I hear you saying is there is, and I think perhaps these might interlink with why I'm talking about the messiness. So there's a, there's a high degree of predictability and order around just looking at outcomes-based, let's say, Sunday get-together. You know what time the service will start. You know what's going to happen. You can plan. I can remember being told one day, 25 minutes of worship is enough. 30 minutes is too much. So you've got to wrap it up by minute 22 so that by 25 you can be over and done with. <laughs> Look, well, that's, that's very specific, guys. <laughs> that's very specific. <laughs> um but, but that's predictable, right? Because then people know, well, 20 minutes, 22 minutes in, it's going to start to, you know, come together and all the music is getting quieter. And then, you know, that's the cue for the preacher to jump up on stage and kind of take over and mumble some quiet prayers that make everyone feel wonderful and cozy and warm. And then the music slowly fades out and the lights slowly come up. And there you go, 30-minute marker, there off we go. But it's very predictable. It's very repeatable. It's also very easily understandable from a branding perspective, right? So businesses that sell well don't sell well because what they're selling is confusing. They don't sell well because you don't look at a brand and go, what, what do you guys do again? <laughs> like, you, you do so much, I'm confused, right? Um, and so in, in a way, that's what I hear you saying is that, that the, the outcomes based is just a way of making things repeatable, predictable. There's a lot of order there, etc. cetera. Um, and there's very little surprise. But because of that, there's also potentially very little life, et cetera, et cetera. And that's then what I hear you saying in terms of the presence of God thing for me is not predictable necessarily. It's like, so what I always found interesting is for someone to say to me when I was so quote unquote leading worship, which was the title for kind of what I was doing in certain seasons of my life, which is essentially just leading people and singing some songs, which is a bit cynical. At a generous thing, what I'm trying to do is facilitate a patch in a service where there's music, but also times for prayer. And essentially, my hope is that there's some kind of engagement with God going on. So 
from my perspective, I'm sharing that space myself and God in a way. So it's an interesting thing for me for a human being, pastor or whatever, to come up to me and say, hey, listen, Steve, like, here are your boundaries. This is what you have to do today. You have to start here. And sometimes it was super specific, like, you know, along with this 22, 25 minute thing, I was told, like, you need to do two songs with this kind of beat per minute. It's got to be catchy, got to be jumpy. The whole band has to be involved. And these are what we call praise songs to get everyone up and going. Then your third song kind of bridges between those and the last two. And it's kind of sort of jumpy, but, you know, up there and blood pumping, but it also it's something that you can ease down out of into two last songs that we call worship songs. This is what you're going to do. You're going to take, like, it's very one-sided. You're going to take the congregation on this journey this morning, up and then down, and then you're going to leave them receptive to hear the word of God. Now, when I listen to that, I think, dude, in my perspective, you're not just talking to me, you're talking to God. Are you telling God, listen, God, <laughs> for this morning, this is what you're going to do. You're going to take these people, and then you're going to leave them in the palm of my hand so I can tell them what I think you have to say, and then they are going to be changed. Who's God there? What, like, Where's the control in that, in that dynamic? But it's very predictable, and it's very strictly ordered. But I don't think in my experience, in my experience, God doesn't take very well to being told, here's your little box. Don't step out of it. If you do, we're going to cut you off. And that's also something I was told once. I remember, you go beyond the 25-minute mark. It's like the Oscars, man. We're just going to cut you off. So don't try anything funny. Like, that's that's the box. And so that's partly what I hear you saying, is that is that if you're going to go into that more messy stuff, it's not predictable. But because of that, it's also less understandable. And so all sorts of things can happen there. So immediately, this is where you get this pushback. People going, no, but you know, but God is a God of order, and everything you know has its place, and da 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 da. da. We're not going to do that. But essentially, then, what that opens the door for is that kind of anything can happen, or like, you know, I hate to use the phrase "anything goes" because it's so loaded, but. The process stuff there that I hear you putting forward, is that right? I mean, that means that anything could happen. That it, you could be there five minutes or five hours or, or you know, half of the people inside the building could walk outside and sit in twos and threes and be having deep conversation. Half the people could stay inside. Some people could get in a car and drive off down the road and, I don't know, go and wash someone's feet or <laughs> go and take some food somewhere or go and build a house or like it, it really could be that hard to manage right if 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 it's really allowed to just play out but i also hear you talking about there's a rooting though somewhere in some values that doesn't sit in the control camp of this is the way it's going to play out but i feel like you're hinting that it's not necessarily just going to be like I don't know, a bunch of marbles just thrown all over the floor in sort of haphazard fashion, but there's something that, that in the communal expression holds people together in the values. Am I sort of hearing you well? Do you want to take that a bit further? The thing there is, it's a classic contrast of what do we do when we do church? We gather people to worship, and then we're going to preach to them, and then they're going to have coffee, and they're going to go home. 
I'm not being cynical by by saying that. That's what we that's what we do. And then to say, well, we're going to open that up and go values. Suddenly, then it becomes well, it's a free fall. So you're going to gather the same number of people in the same kind of place, and no one's going to know what's going to happen or what they're doing or how long it's going to take or what the outcome is or anything like that. And I think that that contrast is is not actually what we're looking at. We're also not necessarily looking at the same scale yet, largely because this is the kind of stuff that when when it's added to existing churches will be added in the context of a small group or a a process much like the way alpha is done for instance it's done as a mm. short-term series it becomes a subculture and the idea is that people graduate and go to church so i would think that if people adopt these kind of things they adopt it with the same way of then breeding life and value into church and it will likely just get used that way because that's how all of these ministries and extra processes are used. I don't see that changing given the context of doing church and how powerful that paradigm, the doing church paradigm is. And I don't think I'm being cynical with that. I just feel like I've just done it enough and I've just seen it enough and I've just seen the, the power of the doing church paradigm. So I very much have in mind the the idea that that those kind of church environments can be very enabling to people to find ways to adopt relational spirituality as a practice in the same way that they would encourage formational spirituality but relational spirituality differs to formational spirituality like quite significantly and doesn't knock formational spirituality it recognizes it for its value but says that it doesn't have the same goal in mind and the goal that relational spirituality has in mind is that of intimacy with god as a value and as a practice <laughs> or, or as an end goal and there's there's priorities and practices to to lead to that right so i think that's where the fundamental there's a fundamental difference here there so so i think i i i have more in mind the idea that in in adopting a values based approach around relational spirituality one one has got an idea in mind of what one is doing how one goes about doing that differs but it can happen at various scales based on how many people are doing it together. And that makes it a little bit trickier because you're starting off with, a, with, with ones, which become twos, which become threes, which, become, which might become mores. And then, and then they together, based on the context, based on the time, and a number of things can, can practice differently, but still out of that shared foundation of values. Whereas when you're looking at the church that is both Catholic and Orthodox is the foundations we go back to, you don't have that difference. Why? Because because we're going to do worship, we're going to do preaching. So, for instance, I would ask questions like, if you took worship off the table, would people as, be as receptive to the preaching? If you took worship and preaching off the table and you just left it open for people to engage God, would anything happen at all? And if not, why not? And, and those end up being dangerous questions to ask because, you know, you don't go near the sacred cows of worship and teaching, right? <laughs> so I, I think in some ways there, there's, there's, there's a difference. There, there are different ways to think of relational spirituality and the values and priorities and practices that come out of it when one's talking at different scales, the scale of the individual, the scale of a small group of people that get together, and then perhaps a larger group of people that get, gather together regularly or semi-regularly. So that, now that's good because that's why I phrased that to you in that way. Because here, what I what I hear you saying, and to some extent anticipate, is that 
that is the root in the individual. And I'm, I'm going to be careful because I'm going to come back and qualify that. But in the, in the one, in the meetings of twos and threes, fives and sixes, etc., and growing upwards, as opposed to the way I presented to you, which is the more, the mass gathering, which immediately calls, I think, just by starting with that at the root for, but what are we going to do? How long is it going to take? Who's going to be in control, etc., etc.? And is a is a bad place to start if you want to root value in the individual is to start at the corporate level. And so, in a, in some ways, it's the it's the other way around. So, and and again, that's that's the difference of values because the one is the value for the corporate level, and then the other is the value for the individual level, and they they different starting places. Yeah. Yes, and to approach the corporate or the communal or the getting together in larger groups to approach that from the level of the individual is very 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 different than to talk about approaching the individual from the starting point of the mass gathering you have different things happening there with different weighting of value and priority and and that probably requires some teasing out but i'm with you that is fundamentally different but that's where we're rooting it, is to go, well, you cannot think about the church gathering until you've thought about the individual and their sort of ownership, their, their, their way of being within these sort of three things that we're putting down, their relationship to self, to God, to others. And so that manifests in relationship with others. Obviously, that's, that's one of the, you know, one of the, the three points there. But others is also a little bit misleading, and that's why it's good to, to get a finger on. It starts out in you and one other person, you and a group of three or four. It, what we're not talking about is relating to self to self and to God. When we say others, it's not you and a thousand people. That's not actually what we're talking about because you can't practice these values at that scale. So to start there is meaningless to work backwards in a way. Meaningless is a bit heavy. Anyway, just to quickly jump back and follow the individual thing, what I want to be very careful with, somebody said to the two of us recently, this idea of relational spirituality is a solo sport, the word that they used. And I just found that so incredibly helpful because to start with, it really kind of jolted me. I said, what, what the hell do you mean? <laughs> and then I thought, that's brilliant. That's really putting a finger on on what in a way what we're not trying to say because when you say you start with the individual i would i would say from a jungian perspective it's not the western individualism that we're talking about it's not just me and only me and i'm the center of the universe but what we're saying is that the only life that you can live the only life that you can depend upon owning and fully embodying is your own life as you as an individual you cannot be present in a group until you're present within yourself as an individual. You can't go out there and change the world in any kind of group format or larger sort of format until you're also changing your world, which is the only world you'll ever know, which is you, really, because everything is filtered through you know, stimuli and perception, et cetera, et cetera. So then it, your entire reality is rooted in yourself. Self to God, self to self, and self to others, the common denominator there is the self. And so it's not the idea of that 
that for me, which is very pathetic kind of Christianity of like, it's all about you. That's not the point. The point is that there is a genesis, a starting point. It happens within you. And you have to take that very seriously. You can't go and dilute it in a crowd. You can't pretend that it's not going to happen between you and God. And it has really just made me think more carefully about like, what am I trying to say about the individual? And, and that probably even, you know, it requires further teasing out. But it's not that idea of the solo sport thing that this person used, which I thought was just incredibly incisive and insightful for me to highlight. Okay, yeah, that's that's not it. Which is the, you know, I can be a Christian. I don't have to go to church. Just me on my own which is often also just, you know, that devotional stuff, right? I just read my Bible and mumble some words and listen to a song or, you know, and consume some YouTube video or whatever. That's not what it is. It is inextricably interlinked in this relational understanding, this web of life that is life, where you cannot, you cannot separate yourself from others. You can distinguish but you cannot separate the interlinkedness between you and yourself, you and others, you and God. That's that's there. Mm. 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 Yeah, yeah. Well, I think two two things there. The one thing is, if you take a look at the early desert mystics. In, in Christianity. They went out as individuals. Very soon, they were large groups of individuals doing it together. And then they formed monasteries, they formed communities. And I highly suspect that that anything like this is actually going to follow the same kind of thing. Because that individual in relation to themselves, others and God, very quickly ends up being a whole bunch of individuals together alone practicing this in relation to themselves, others, and God. And yeah, you've got like a fractal experience, and that individual is the fractal foundation of the community. And all of them practicing that together, sharing those values together, create a very different kind of community. So that's, that, that's, that's a very important thing to, to acknowledge, that although one is looking at the individual, it's the individual in relation to. It's not the individual wrapped up in themselves consuming for themselves you know it's the individual pushing deeper into living and loving in relation to and in relation with others not a matter of the individual like looking to their own benefit and isolating from others or withdrawing from others and, and i think i think that the confusion comes in in that largely formational spirituality is what based on withdrawal to silence and solitude not the same thing as relational spirituality is about entering deeply into relationship with self, others, and God. It's a different, different kind of thing. So I think I think there's a there's often a fundamental confusion there, and 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 hence I think the the accusation of well, solo sport as opposed to you know church's community, and that's really what Christ has called us to. Yeah, but there's a false dichotomy there. I think the the other thing that I want to acknowledge because. Many people listening to this are often excited and they're in a church context of one one or another is like let's artificially let, like let I'm just going to pick a number because 100 is a nice number to work with right <laughs> say you've got 100 people and you've got five people on one hand committed to the institution someone employed for worship you've got someone employed to preach 
uh, someone employed as a you know the, the PA go getter, perhaps a children's person like employed. You know, like you've got a you've got a good team for that hundred people. That actually be paid low, but that's a different story. <laughs> so you've got this team of five, and they're invested in the Sunday service. And the Sunday service is really what doing church is about. Then on the other hand, you've got five people, and they're invested in the idea of saying, hey, let's do this relational spirituality thing. They start a group. They do the so, so for instance, they do the seven key relationships, and there's there's like ten people that do that, and it's like, wow, that was successful. People really grown and transformed. Let's do that again. A group, of, another group of ten people do it. Oh wow, look, that was really successful. Let's do another group of ten people. Okay, so suddenly thirty people out of this hundred have done it. That thirty people have sh- would have shifted from a culture and a context of doing church that's stage-focused, preacher-centered, attendance-based, to having a very different kind of spirituality focused on the depth of relational engagement and a clearer understanding of the practice of the presence of God in a healthy sense. But at this point, you've you've got a group of 70 that are weighted in one direction and an institution that's funded in a particular way and structured around certain activities. And now suddenly you've got 30 people out of that community already that then are thinking, oh my goodness, we're actually wanting something else. We're not, we're not wanting what we've traditionally had. If the group as a whole isn't committed to a process of transition, you very quickly get to a clash between the culture and the context. And, and I think we see this quite often with groups, with, with uh, ministries, quote-unquote, like the Alpha Course, with that culture of engaging the Holy Spirit, that culture of relational engagement and that, you end up with a subculture in the context of, of, of the church. And then it's a question of going, no, this is what we do when we do church. So yes, you guys can do that, but you come in and you fit in with what we do here because this is church proper. Or you end up with that group basically going, actually, we're not happy with that anymore. And the more there's the push and the insistence on submitting to them, the more you end up with things like happened in North Africa, you know, straight after they formed the uh, the, the the Catholic and Orthodox Church. You know, what happened a little bit later when the, when the Western... Uh, Roman Empire and the the Holy Roman Empire is reformed and and then breaks off from the East. You know, very quickly when you put the insistence that everyone else submits to you, you're going to have some form of break that happens. And and I think think introducing this values-based thing, the more people genuinely start experiencing the quality of engagement with God that comes with it, and and the more that that scales through a group, as in more numbers start experiencing that and wanting that, the greater there's going to be the chance of there actually being tension within any established institutional church environment. Well, I mean, I immediately, as I hear you say that, I have two examples that come to mind of two churches that I've been a part of in the past with those subcultures that emerge and kind of refine themselves in a certain way. And there's enough distinction between how they are kind of behaving, believing, being, and the sort of greater church that, you know, so the one, so the, the one which is from a little further back in my past, all the church services happened in the church, and this group met in the church hall. And the church hall on a Sunday evening, so if we just talk metrics for a second, had 60 people there. And the service happening in the church itself had maybe 10. But even then, the people in the hall wouldn't come into the church because they had defined themselves enough around who they were 
and what they were practicing and what was happening in the church building. Just it wasn't it wasn't that anymore. So they couldn't go to what was happening in the church building. That's why they went here. And the pool got bigger and bigger and bigger. And to unite that, yeah, I think it was impossible. I think the uniting, as I read it, possibly unfairly from the outside that has happened is because the leadership from the greater church has infiltrated the whole service and has made it more and more like what was happening in the church building. And so you get that fight all the time. And then a similar process again in another church that I was part of. Again, and, and it's often see often it expresses itself in some of these outwards things that seem so easy to go, that's what it is. It's musically different. That's why we have this split. Or the one wants, you know, communion every Sunday, you know, sacrament, the other doesn't. Or, you know, there's all those kinds of things that people just go, that's what it is. Or it's younger people versus older people or whatever. And it's it's not always that. It's that there is a kick against, there is some life, there is some difference, there's some, you know, we're actually starting to engage with something deeper than just the ritual Sunday service. And you get that subculture and you get that split. And it's, yeah, and it's powerful. And that's not to say that, you know, either side is completely right or wrong necessarily, because it's also interesting to watch over time. You know, some of, like we've talked about before, you know, the movement becomes, starts to settle into a, you know, constant practice and essentially sets itself up as its own institution again. But just really fascinating to live through two seasons of that, very specifically. I had a similar thing in the past when I was running my groups and doing the, 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 the fair thing and, you know, leading with the experience of God and then like shaping groups around that and people around that and then as they went to churches they would say well we've been experiencing god and we want more of this in church and they were met with puzzled looks because well you know doing church is experiencing god so like what do you mean and then and then and and also in other environments where i've been encouraging people to do to do more of this kind of thing and then actually leading into into clash like um you know, around uh, about 2009, I, I was planting a church, 2008, 2009, planting a church together with other people. And we, we, we ran into a clash between the three of us because I had a strong value for the presence of God and they were so allergic to Charismatics and Pentecostals that any hint of that they, they were against. Um, but uh, where they got particularly upset was uh, I did a, I did a, I had a dream for someone, <laughs> went to them and shared it, and the dream was actually a hundred percent about that person's cancer. Like we'd gone and done an outside event, and you know, and then and then I did one of the one of the sessions on on the presence of God and and on mysticism, and in that environment, people who'd never experienced God before, and I'd walked with them as a journey. I remember the one person in particular, this tall blonde guy was, was very clear, like he doesn't experience God that way, he doesn't hear from God for people, he's not gifted. And and for years I'd been talking to him about the fact that it's not about gifting, it's not about a spiritual gift of prophecy, it's about relational connection and, and, and conversation between you and God. And that in that environment was the first time I saw him step forward, clearly hearing from God and doing it with absolute confidence, like he was a total natural. I think it's a total win. The next week we're actually fighting. The three of us have a meeting and they're so super upset about this, you know, and uh, and that was it. I walked away from it. You know, so so there's there's a lot of there are a lot of things like 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 that where these subcultures form. 
and and I do think that there's a there's a strong possibility that that this thing of relational spirituality being introduced can actually become a subculture like that in any established church environment. And what we're putting our finger on there is essentially that the difference in values, right? Yeah, the difference in values. Yeah, because the difference in values is is about what people actually want out of their gathering. And and if they want different things out of their gathering, there's going to be a, a multiplication of vision, more outcomes that people want. And you and basically if you want to make preaching the center and other people want to make the depth of relational engagement the center, you're going to have a big difference because those that want preaching as a center won't be satisfied unless that's met. And those that want the depth of relational engagement met won't be satisfied if preaching takes over and is the main show. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit there. I mean, you, you've, you've just sort of lightly touched on two. So we've, we've talked preaching in, in a little bit more detail. But, you know, I, I think what we're going to try and do is, is spend subsequent episodes drilling into a value each or perhaps two per episode or whatever it is. But just as we are, you know, I sense we're in sort of the right space here. What are some of the values that you would put forward without us having to go into too much detail? But what are the sort of things that are just central to relational spirituality? And whether you contrast that against the church, I think it's, in my mind, is less important. But um, just... So I don't think it's about contrasting it against uh, the, the, the church per se, because you'd often find people saying, no, but we have those values as well. And that's where that's where I'd actually say, well, let's look at the proportionality of these values in the, you, you know, in the context of doing church, like, which basically comes down to how much time and priority is given to it in the main events. And, and they'll say it's being fulfilled, but it's not actually being fulfilled it's not taking up space and time basically so you can say yeah we 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 value relationships and i go okay yeah but you spend 45 minutes on sermon you spend 30 minutes on worship and and after all of that is over while people are scattering they're having coffee so where's the relation where's the value for relationships in that and you know that that kind of thing you know and then and then it becomes a we could explain this in a different way because we've got home groups and people get together during the week etc cetera, etc cetera. and and so so then they're indirectly being fulfilled and if they're indirectly being fulfilled they're not a priority because by doing church we're not prioritizing them so so in that sense there's it's 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 i don't think it's best had as a conversation about contrast so i think i think the first thing is is perhaps that I, I'm perhaps most excited about this at a grassroots level with community as an epiphenomenon. And by that I mean start with these values as individuals that gather together. And if you have a community that forms out of that, that's great. But start with sharing these things in mind so that we can support each other in the growth of them. So because it's not a solo sport, I start thinking of values like storytelling, deep listening, and and intimacy with God as the top three, and and I think we can we can unpack each of those perhaps one per episode, but storytelling in brief ends up being it's both it's both a, a, it's something that people can get better at, you know depending on the context and and how it's practiced and that, but but everyone being in the space where they can tell their story 
not in order to preach or for a specific outcome, but just basically sharing the story appropriately within whatever the context is. So if I think back to you and I earlier this season telling the story of our early experience of God, in that we each got to tell a particular story and, and draw from our lives to build that story for each other. And it's a very live experience. Why? Because the value of deep listening is actually in play as well. Deep, deep listening being I listen to you to hear what your story means for you rather than for me to tell you, to interpret your story and tell you what it means or tell you how you ought to have interpreted it or give you a scripture that's going to be the magic bullet to change your perspective or anything like that. It's actually just to listen to you and empathize with your story um, and hear you at a deep level for what it means to you. And the value for, for intimacy with God is, 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 a, is a similar thing because to hold a value for intimacy with God means you have to have a, an idea of, of what that looks like. What is the end goal? What does one accomplish through, through that? What is one looking to achieve as intimacy with God? And so when it comes to that, and, and when we talk about them as values, I say that storytelling looks very different in the context of you and I having a podcast episode where one person primarily tells their story and the other person listens and draws out questions or engages or is active active part of listening in that, right? It looks very different if we had a group of seven or eight people together and everyone tells their story. Okay, now we've got to do it slightly differently. We've got to facilitate. Facilitation has to come into that as well, into that as a, as, as a process. And so I'd say that, that, that the other things that end up being more more priorities that support these is is facilitation and and a deep respect for process and people being in process so so i think of those core things and then i think of the organizing things as being facilitation and process that's yeah that's brilliant i mean the only problem i have with that is that i have just so many questions and thoughts that i want to dive into immediately <laughs> based on that and so i think that's you know i'm just going to hold on to that because that each of those are worth really exploring in more depth and and so my sense is to leave that there and not jump in immediately with oh i also think this and what about that and let's ask this question because that would be uh, that would be the purpose of really getting into those taking a deep dive into each of those so that that yeah that's exactly kind of what i was hoping for in terms of just a very good summary of 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 where we would be heading. I'm excited about this. We've we've done a lot of work to gain ground to get you. <laughs> it has taken a lot, yes. It has, it <laughs> has. And, and I think I think in this context it's a question of answering what it is that we're looking to build and how we want to go about building it. Not just for ourselves, but in a way that enables others to build that within their context. Be they be they individuals looking to form a group or enter into this, you know, like like can they adopt this elsewhere in the world and can we help them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Well, that's exciting, man. Thanks for exploring that with me, and uh, I really hope that as listeners, that's been uh, helpful. I'm I'm also hoping that you left a little bit on the edge of your seat at the end of this, like I am, wanting to dig further in. But thanks for uh, joining us on this. Uh, uh, this journey so far it's uh, it's been long in some ways it hasn't been the easiest you know and I'm, I'm left with a thought my final thought would be be very interesting for you and I to take temperature at some point soon and just look back and go what is our sense of this process because I think 
you know, even their process is not a neutrally, uh, it doesn't carry no weight. You know, there's, there's frustrations, there's wanting to get to the end sooner sometimes, there's moving too fast sometimes, there's skipped steps, there's why can't we skip steps, there's um, why don't you have the answers of, already steps <laughs> yeah there's all sorts of things just even as us just exploring perhaps even there we can take temperature at some point but um, I'd also love to hear from you as listeners kind of where you've been landing and how you've been finding this process and any thoughts you have before we even get into recording the episodes on these values just in what's led up to here uh, where you where you're at um, because we we really um, and we, we're, we're putting a lot, uh, this is a very short sentence that encompasses a, a great deal, but we're putting a lot into this. It's, uh, it's a significant uh, effort for the two of us to try and bring something like this to birth. It's definitely worth it, and, and it's fascinating, and it's uh, a heavy burden sometimes, and all sorts of wonderful things, which we'll get into perhaps when we take temperature. But we'd also love to hear from you and how you've been sort of joining along with us as we've been sharing these conversations with you. But uh, thanks, Tim. That was cool, man. That's, uh, I'm looking forward to diving deeper into those values. Thanks, man. I, I think I think right right back at you. I I really I, I've been excited to get to this point in the process to, to for us to discuss these values and, and and explore them, and from there to to go on to to looking. You know, to looking at next steps, you know, what we, what we, what we're offering and what we're building, what we're building towards, you know, like, what are we, what are we doing? So, so for me, even though you mentioned uh, the take the temperature, I really feel that sense of being daunted and challenged, you know, at the, at the next steps, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's arriving here is a good thing, but I, I feel like, I feel like we're stepping, stepping up and stepping into stuff by doing this and I'm excited, but I'm, I'm daunted. And uh, and I'm really just grateful again to to be able to have these conversations and and to explore this. So thank you, thank you. I'm going to echo your sentiments and leave it there.